This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And this episode is uh, coming out on October 29th, so happy Halloween. This is going to be another spooky episode. Uh, Matthew actually wrote that at the top of our agenda. It's another spooky episode with eight O's, and um, it did make me giggle a Good. little bit, because fresh pasta is so spooky. It is. Oh, which, which by the way, is what we're talking about on this week's oh, e- yeah. episode, yeah. You know what um, is really spooky, though? Yes. <laughs> Uh, the fact that there's an election in four days. <laughs> That's true. That is very spooky. Matthew and I have been talking. You know, it is really, it's really tricky to figure out how to talk about real life on a comedy podcast that, frankly, we use for escapism, and maybe you do too. Yeah. But this is a really challenging time and has been for a long time. And we hope that everyone, we more than hope, we really hope. <laughs> we require. We require that all of our listeners vote in this election. We want to be very if you're not eligible to vote then you can refrain okay but we want to be really clear this election is really important this election is also really challenging to talk about yeah we're we're scared I think a lot of I think a lot of Americans are scared. I think we are most scared. of our listeners probably are. Yeah, and, and not not just Americans, of course. You know, what happens what happens here affects the entire world. You know, we we've been talking Molly and I have been talking about this and they're trying to like, you know, balance like how much do we let this creep into our escapist comedy show that we want people uh, in a future better time to enjoy coming back and, and listening to. I love and, thinking about that future better time. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I just I just heard this morning that uh, that Japan is planning to allow American tourists back in starting in April. And are you planning to get yourself there and stay? Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Sometime pretty soon, probably. Yeah. So I think the really tricky thing is that I I think we all I want to be really clear. I I am voting for Joe Biden. I have voted for Joe Biden. And um, however, whether Joe Biden wins this election or not, I think that we are not finished with this period of fascism that this country is in. And I think we've got a long road ahead of us and we're really struggling with that. 
Yeah, I think, and I think Molly and I are both like have been for years now, like trying to participate and do our best, and uh, you know, sometimes doing okay and sometimes failing at that, and always trying to figure out like what is the right thing to do. And it really sucks. Uh, yeah, we don't know what we're trying to say. I mean, one clear thing we can say is like if you uh, if you are eligible to vote in the U.S. election and have not already voted for Joe Biden, do that. There we, we, go. we could not possibly be more clear about that. Is that going to be sufficient? Probably not. <sighs> you want to talk about fresh pasta? Yeah, let's talk about fresh pasta. OK, you know about- what fresh pasta is? It's really comforting. <laughs> It is. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a classic comfort food. This is really the season for classic comfort food. Um, it truly is. That uh, uh, that season is like when your country gets taken over uh, by, <laughs> by a, by a, a band of, of um, monsters. Yeah, I thought you were going to say by a fascist dictator. That's a band of monsters. Yeah. OK. Anyway, um, these things travel in packs. It's true. God, do they ever like they seem to multiply, like no matter how many of them you fire, they they just keep coming. I know if someone were to uh, take Stephen Miller by the neck and like twist the neck until it cracks, like would he pop back up? Maybe worth trying. I think that like some green stuff would ooze out and it would make more Stephen Millers. Yeah. All right. So that's uh, that's going to be our next episode. What's your uh, fresh pasta memory lane? Oh, man. Okay. So my fresh pasta memory lane goes back to Oklahoma City, as everyone's does. Of course. I did a little fresh pasta research, and it turns out that's where it originated. <laughs> that's what I had always suspected. So back in the 80s, when pasta you know, became a trend that took over America, uh, a, a Ben- beneficent is that a, yeah is that a term i'm looking for a beneficent I, trend I as think opposed that to is a word i don't think i've ever heard it spoken out loud before wow i you know how matthew you know how when i um when i'm high i speak in large word in like long words yeah i'm not high right now <laughs> i just want to make it clear okay oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, did i sound like i believe you oh you did. Okay. Anyway, I wanted to say that when pasta... I was, really what's happening is I was looking up the word beneficent to see if it was a real word or not, because like, it seems is it pro- real? Like, probably. It's real. Uh, is it like the the, the antonym of male- m- Maleficent? That's a yeah, movie Yeah, it's the antonym Angelina of Maleficent Jones. from, uh, from <laughs> Sleeping Beauty. Which one has Maleficent? Oh, Cinderella? No. Oh, my God. Let's just move on, okay? Nope. Now so- I'm looking up Maleficent. This is our new thing. <laughs> Uh, Maleficent is a 2014 American fantasy film starring Angelina Jolie. Well, I am the antonym of Angelina Jolie. No. I'm a a word. You're a word? Well, yeah, because, I mean, people can't be antonyms. But, I mean, they could be, like, there are people who can be, like, the opposite of other people, I think. Of course, of course. But I I chose the word antonym instead of opposite. Okay. Did you know that the other day I had to help my child with a lesson on homonyms and homophones, and it nearly broke me? Oh, wow. I... At one point, I knew what, what like, homonym and homophone, and there's a third one also, I think. Uh, gramophone. Yeah, gram- gramophone, yes. Yeah. So, no, I found myself going, why do teachers teach these concepts at the same time? They're so confusingly similar. Why do we teach them in, in the same lesson? <laughs> why, like, why do people even need to know those words, really? 
Yeah, I mean, throw the throw all those words out the window. Let's just remove them from the language. I mean, is does does anyone have trouble with the concept that words can mean different thing, multiple different things? I I think some people do. Okay, yeah. okay. So Matthew, I'm going to go back to Oklahoma City again. If, if you're okay, ready, yes. Okay. There was uh, in one of Oklahoma City's many strip malls. There was a place that opened. Oh my God, I'm sure I've said the name of it in a previous episode, but it was called like Pasta Pizzazz or something like that. <laughs> yep. And they sold fresh pasta. And and now that I think back on it, I think some of my earliest memories of eating pasta in the 80s as like, you know, this exciting new hip food were actually a fresh pasta from that place. And I remember my parents going and buying it. Uh, it would come in like a little foil tray with a little plastic lid on the top. Nice. With, uh, you know, a stuck on label saying what type of pasta it was. And my parents were so excited. I mean, you can imagine Mo Weisenberg, inventor of endive and altoids, yep. was thrilled to find fresh pasta in his hometown of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. No, that's that's why on your family crest, like there's four <laughs> quadrants and one one has endive, one has altoids, one has uh, like a, a, a little, little piece of, uh, of fresh pasta, a little nest of fresh pasta. Yes. One of those nests. The fourth one is just waiting to be filled in by it the is. end of this episode. So, Matthew, when I then was in my early 20s and I, I worked at Whole Foods Market in Northern California, I would occasionally get the opening shift, which was 6 a.m. until 2 p.m. Oh. I know. But, and the store didn't open till 8. And it was this magical time between 6 and 8 when the store was, you know, this feeling of like being in an airport sort of early in the morning, like the yeah. world is just waking up. It's like you're seeing almost behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. People like uh, the the <laughs> ticket windows are opening. They're taking out the little uh, stand, stand up paper thing saying this window is closed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And replacing it one that says this window is open, but like yes. there's this now there's this barrier. And you, I mean, which I guess for for like hygiene reasons is a good idea. Okay, but anyway, I remember that even though I was like bleary eyed arriving at work, I remember this being like sort of a really peaceful time. There would be they would turn up the music in the store louder than it would be during like open hours. What kind of music would they play at the time? Um. I think it was often like 80s stuff. It was okay. stuff that, that everybody enjoyed. And everybody was sort of somehow just very focused on their morning tasks. I think we were all equally sleepy. And I remember standing behind the counter. I worked in the specialty section where all the cheeses and olives and stuff are. And we sold fresh pasta in that section. And the fresh pasta would come from someplace in Berkeley in kind of this rectangular cardboard box. It looked like it would have like a men's shirt in it, like a fancy <laughs> starched men's oh, shirt. Okay. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Do you remember that? I know that? what you mean like, because I can't remember like what I, I think we talked about this on the ravioli episode, but I used to buy some brand of uh, frozen, but like local frozen ravioli that would come in that kind of box with like like the lift off top. Yes. So yes. satisfying. So, so satisfying. Fancy. Okay. So anyway, one of my jobs at like 630 in the morning was to take this to take this cardboard box of pasta, weigh out portions of it, and then swirl them into nests. Oh, that's how that happened. That's you how did that it. happened. I would swirl them into nests, and then I would put them in like a, you know, um, almost like a little salad bar container, label it, and, you know, weigh it and put it on the shelf. And 
it was so satisfying. I remember my boss teaching me how to make the the fresh pasta nests. And all I can say is they're, they're good memories. They're good memories, Matthew. So these would be like long pastas, like a like a fettuccine or a tagliatelle or a exactly. spaghetti alla chitarra. I seem to remember, nice job with that rolling I don't R know. there. I, seem, <laughs> I, did, I didn't feel good about it. I seem to remember a lot of like fettuccine, linguine kind of things, but then yeah. I do also remember there being boxes of fresh ravioli and I would have to weigh that out. Yes. So it's interesting. I don't know. My memories of fresh pasta involve eating it less than touching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I I don't really remember much in the way of fresh pasta before Wife with the Show, Lori, and I moved to Seattle in 96. I know, I'm sure I did have it as a kid, but I just don't remember it. But we, we quickly became customers of a local chain called Pasta and Company, which mm-hmm. still exists. There aren't as many locations as there used to be. We, there, there were, for a brief time, there was, there was a location on Capitol Hill near where we lived. And so we would always get their uh, matricina sauce, which was kind of like an amatriciana sauce, but with prosciutto in it instead of pancetta or, or guanciale. That mm-hmm. was really good. And, and a bag of fresh linguine or fettuccine. And so would it be like, would it be like refrigerated fresh or was it yes. like freshly dried? It was refrigerated fresh. Okay. And it was really good. You know, it's so weird. I, I think of fresh pasta as such a luxury product. Yeah. That I rarely ever buy myself. I mean, certainly it is way more expensive than dried pasta. Yes. But it is so good. I don't know why I don't buy it. Well, I mean, I think the good stuff, like the fresh pasta they sell like in in a, uh, you know, like a blister pack yes. in the cheap cheese aisle at the supermarket. Yeah. is uh, It's just okay. It's just okay. That's like, a good point. So like, you know, all dried pasta, I think, is at least pretty good. Some of it is great, whereas the average fresh pasta, like supermarket fresh pasta, is okay. Yeah. It's still okay. not bad. It's still pasta. Yeah, I think that I I have not... The the time I, I most recently bought fresh pasta was for making Samin Nasrat's big lasagna from the New York oh, Times, yes. which I made earlier in, in the pandemic. But otherwise, I think I, I tend to now only eat fresh pasta in restaurants, which I also haven't done... Uh, <laughs> For many months. So when you made the big lasagna, were you able to buy fresh lasagna sheets? Yeah, I went to uh, I went to my local PCC. Um, mm-hmm. They have like PCC brand fresh pasta. Okay. And honestly, I have not done a comparison between that and like blister pack stuff at my other supermarket. I own many supermarkets. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> these are my supermarkets. <laughs> anyway, but it was it was lovely. It was really nice. Yeah, I uh, I love shopping at Molly Mart. There's a great uh, granola <laughs> section. Yep. Yep. Um, a few cheeses. Uh, what else is there? Um, <laughs> like the whole the whole store is laid out in sort of a cheese plate way, so you get to like the most flavorful <laughs> stuff at the back of the store. Yeah, like is in that terms where, of like, preserving the cold chain, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But oh, but it's so satisfying. It's if so you're satisfying me. when you finally get to that back corner, and that's where like the the, the gorgonzola spicy is. Yeah, yes. the spicy wings. Mm-hmm. Do you say spicy wings or no? Spicy I said things? spicy things. But I wouldn't <laughs> mind if my if if Molly Mart had spicy wings. Yes. God, isn't it? Why haven't we ever done an episode uh, of like planning our own grocery store and like what it would carry? Like our own oh, fantasy. This is a great idea. Our own fantasy store, like drawing I, on like other stores and putting them all in one things place. Just, just like clunked into my head. All as right, you said Abby, that. Okay. Abby, put it on the list. Next week, 
let's let's declare this right now. Next yeah. week we are we are doing our dream grocery stores. Okay, okay, and the, and I want to be clear that these dream grocery stores can include like an extensive like hot case, uh, you know, uh, the world's fanciest like soup bar. <laughs> well, I have a guess as to what your store is going to include. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. Okay. Wait, but Matthew, wait. Um, Various I, truffled soups. Oh, Jesus. That's not what I was talking about. I'm just saying going on like the regular grocery store layout. You no, know? I totally know what you mean. Okay. So wait, Matthew, going back to memory lane yes. for fresh pasta, I want to be sure and mention a restaurant that I know you and I have both enjoyed a lot yes. in Seattle. It's called Spinasse. It's in your neighborhood. And their fresh pasta is exceptional. Yes. I've never been to Italy. You've been to Italy, right? I have. I have. And actually, I remember not long after Spinasse opened. So God, this would have been like a decade ago. A good friend of mine who I've been to Italy with, Winnie Yang, mm-hmm. who lived for a while in Italy and worked for Slow Food and is just a uh, incredible cook and eater. I took Winnie to Spinasse because I wanted to see what she thought of the pasta there compared oh. to what she had had in the Piedmont in Italy. And anyway, she felt that it was some of the best Italian food she had had in the entire U.S. Yeah. I wonder if they're doing takeout. Oh, my God. I think of the, uh, oh, my gosh, Matthew, it has been so long since I have eaten in a restaurant. I, I, I don't remember like basic things that I used to know. Like okay. uh, the spoon is the round one. <laughs> the fork is the pokey one. And then the spork is kind of some of each. And do you order dessert like first or? Oh, life is short. Eat dessert first. <laughs> right. Okay. Anyway, but no, do you remember? So there's sort of a timeless dish that never leaves the menu, this thin little noodles with either butter and sage or with a ragu. Oh, yes. Is that tayarine? Is that the name of that really thin pasta? It's almost like... I I think that is correct. Okay. Which I think is, is, I think tagliolini and tayarine and uh, and tagliatelle are all very, very similar, if not some identical overlap. But tagliarine is is so thin. Thinner than a tagliatelle, then. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's heading, it's almost heading toward angel hair. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, clearly neither of us has been to Spinasse in a very long time, but wow, we should. Yes, if, if they do take out. Yeah. So years ago, when I was writing for Seattle Magazine, I, I was doing this column called Chef Test, where I would recruit a local chef and we... chef. Chef. Uh, and I would re- recruit a local chef, and we chefed, um, and uh, we would we would taste a bunch of uh, of like one particular ingredient and pick a winner. And we did a fresh pasta tasting, and did some like a couple of local brands, including Pasta and Company and supermarket brands, and so on. And the Pasta and Company won by a wide margin. So I think I think it is a really good product. Great. Okay. Well, so Matthew, will you take us to Oklahoma City, where where Pasta is from? Gladly. Okay, picture it. 1986, <laughs> Crescent Market. Nope. Uh, nope, it was a strip mall on May Avenue. Uh, no, th- th- this uh, <laughs> surprise, it, it actually started at Crescent Market because that's, <laughs> that's, that's the only thing starts. I remember. 
Okay. So look into the eyes of the of the suit of armor, and <laughs> uh, and and you'll be transported back to medieval times, which is when uh, pasta. I mean, dried pasta and fresh pasta really like have always been around at the same time. It's not like one of them long predated the others because fresh pasta is very easy to dry. Hold on, Ash just came in here, and I lost my concentration. Okay. Okay. Uh, what you said? You said something about something drying. <laughs> <laughs> so fresh fresh pasta and dried pasta have always been together like there wasn't a period when only one of them existed because we were waiting for people to invent the other one because fresh pasta dries very easily obviously uh, yes got it um and so okay. people people understood that pasta could be dried for for longer storage and preservation like from day one of pasta kind of but when exactly day one of pasta was and what it looked like is not really understood by historians so what we know what we can say for sure is that i was gonna say people talk about um you know there's always like a trivia question about like pasta coming from china right right so pasta definitely has originated in multiple places like there is not really a inherent difference between Italian pasta and Chinese egg noodles. It's like, you know, it's about like the kneading and cutting process and then what you sauce it with. Mm, so okay. we're, we're going to be focusing on Italy and, uh, you know, the the what's now called Italy. But, uh, you know, back then was part of the Roman Empire, I guess. OK. And or or like a bunch of different countries. Boy, I should know more about the history of Italy, shouldn't I? Uh, the history of Italy is, um, I, I think... It it would be a whole course of study th- that would take us a long time. So check it out on the Great Courses Plus, <laughs> <laughs> which has not sponsored the show in years and probably never will again. Wait, Matthew, we should do an episode on like Chinese egg noodles. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that would be great. I've the- made them. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's a very good idea. Okay. All right. Okay. Back to Italy. Okay. So we know because like, there start to be lots of historical references to pasta and like specific pasta shapes and dishes in about the 13th century. And mass production in factories of pasta began in like the first half of the 18th century. That's wild. Yeah. Wow. But before that, like, you know, it didn't suddenly just pop up in, in like 1250 or something. But before that, like the historical record gets really vague in the sense that like going back to like B.C., there is frequent mentions in the historical record of something called Lagana, which is often discussed as an ancestor of pasta, but all historians can agree on is that it was some kind of flattish fried dough, hmm. which okay. doesn't really sound like pasta. Yeah, uh, that, that According to Wikipedia, <laughs> this uh, I, I'm mentioning this not because it really has anything to do with fresh pasta, but just I, I love I love hearing about wacky like uh, you know ancient European recipes. Writing in the second century, Athenaeus of Naucratis provides a recipe for Lagana, which he attributes to the first century Chrysippus of Tiana. <laughs> Sheets of dough made with wheat flour and the juice of crushed lettuce, then flavored with spices and deep fried in oil. Mm. I don't know. I mean, prob- it's probably good because it's fried dough. Like, what gave anyone the idea to crush a lettuce? Like, I think it was probably some sort of fetish. Did you notice that fetish and lettuce, lettuce almost rhyme? Yeah. <laughs> fetish and lettuce. Yep. 
Uh, I wonder if my CSA box, which uh, which I'll be picking up shortly uh, next Tuesday, <laughs> is, is uh, we're recording is gonna, this on uh, no Monday. Is, <laughs> so I, it's usually I know, Thursday. I got, I, I got a little confused because I was like, "Oh, I'm going to pick up my CSA box tomorrow," and then I remembered this episode is coming out on Thursday. But anyway, oh, that's what made me think Thursday. I wonder if I'm going to be getting any lettuce so I could try making this special. Lagana from Chrysippus of Tiana. Yes. Um I yeah, if you get if you get lettuce and uh and you've got some flour, Crush you're it. all set. Okay. And oil. I need um, some spices. What spices should I throw in? Oh, like like old school like like all spice. Oh, mace. Mace. Uh grains of paradise. Mulling spices. Mulling yes. <laughs> like a big sack of mulling spices. Just leave them in the sack and like knead it into the dough. You know <laughs> If you yeah, if you're the if you're uh, the one who gets the the sack buried in the in the Lagana, that's like seven years of good luck. It's called they call they call it uh, like uh, getting the sack. Uh, I thought I had something something new to, to add to that, but it turned out I didn't. Getting the sack. <laughs> if you get the sack of mulling spices in the Lagana, uh huh. Oh, boy. Okay, I can't wait to make this. I'll keep you guys posted. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got, you can borrow appliances. Like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it. No charge. Uh huh. So like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post meeting drink. You can bring your pet totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built in alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have like a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Yeah. So like a whole closet system where I can really like unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then. And this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. Did you know that Delaware has endless discoveries? The first state invites you to explore miles of beaches and boardwalks, dozens of unique breweries, award-winning restaurants, some of the country's best state parks, beautiful garden estates, and even tax-free shopping. There's plenty of fun for the entire family and more. Find trip ideas and all the info you need to plan your Delaware discoveries at visitdelaware.com. So I mentioned drying pasta is easy. I used to have one of those, like, I think we can like post a a photo of it, link to a photo of it in the show notes, uh, which you can find in your podcast player. One of those plastic, like novelty pasta drying racks that like spins out and has a bunch of horizontal rods and so mm-hmm. like when you're making your linguine or whatever you hang it over one of the rods and then when it's full you hang it over the next rod and they they fan out so that the new drying noodles aren't touching each other you know matthew i got um, rid of it yeah i'm not surprised <laughs> uh you know i feel like it's maybe part of a, a family of of like non-mechanical appliances or, mm-hmm. or tools that also includes a ball winder 
which you use. A what? Oh, a ball winder. So if you've ever gone into a yarn store or bought yarn for knitting or crocheting or anything like that. I went into a fabric store with you. I don't know if I've ever been into No, I have been into a yarn store. Well, I've been so to Stitches. Most of the time, the way that yarn is sold is in a form where like if you're actually knitting with it, it's very easy for it to get tangled or unravel or get everywhere. So you can ask the yarn store to wind your yarn into a ball for you. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's this device that is, it's it's like two parts. One kind of looks like a a, a part umbrella, part clothes drying rack. And then the other thing looks like a spindle. Clothes drying rack. And anyway, you turn this crank and the yarn goes flying off of the umbrella clothes drying rack thing onto the spindle. And it's very satisfying. Uh, And it basically looks nothing like the device that you're describing. But I feel like whoever invented the rotating spaghetti rack thing maybe invented a ball winder, too. This sounds like something Rumpelstiltskin would operate. Absolutely. It sounds great. Yeah. What's the story of Rumpelstiltskin? I don't remember. Was Rumpelstiltskin weaving straw into gold? Yeah, there's something something about gold. There's There's always something about gold. Yeah. People used to be really into gold. Good thing thing no one cares about that anymore. Yeah. all right, so what is fresh pasta, Matthew? Like, how do you I'm make glad, this stuff? I'm glad we're, we're going to get into what is fresh pasta 30 minutes into the show. Okay, go on. Um, fresh pasta is uh, it's typically made with eggs and a soft wheat flour. And I say a soft wheat flour because as opposed to commercial dried pasta, which is made with very hard durum wheat semolina flour and usually no eggs. Okay. Did you read the the book Bill Buford's Heat? Yes, Bill Buford's Heat. I don't remember who the author of that was, but Bill Buford's Heat, great book. (laughs) Anyway, do you remember how like, oh my God, I finally just put it down and stopped reading it at the point at which he was like on this like diehard quest to find out like at what point eggs were introduced into pasta dough. And I was like, who the fuck cares? And I moved on. There was also also the book I sort of like what's what's like when you like paint someone as a saint? Is it like a Philippic or a uh, panegyric or something? Something. Now now who's got the big words, right? To (laughs) to um uh, Mario Batali, uh which uh, maybe maybe they could like re re release the book with all of those pages cut out. Maybe they could also cut out the whole part where yep. where Bill Buford is, is basically worried about nothing in life except when eggs were introduced into pasta dough. God, I wish I wish I could be in a position where like I didn't have anything to worry about about other than who put an egg in a pasta. Right? right? I mean, uh, sign me up. Yes. All right, yeah. go on. So so that's that's basically what fresh pasta is. It's a very very simple dough made with made with eggs and flour and then is uh kneaded and rolled out usually into into a uh, flat shape by hand or machine. Okay. Does and... it have to be a flat shape? No, you can also make fresh orecchiette. We'll get to that. Oh, great. Wow. Okay, you can also like extrude things. You can also extrude things, absolutely. And and the fresh pasta that I ate the other day in preparation for this episode is actually a, an extruded fresh pasta made locally in Seattle without eggs. Ah, okay. So wait, Matthew, are there particular regions in Italy that are known for pasta? Because, you know, when pasta came about in Italy, as we hinted at, like it wasn't Italy yet. So Right. So 
Fresh pasta and dried pasta are both widely eaten throughout Italy, but the like the places in Italy that are especially known for fresh pasta are Piedmont and Emilia-Romagna in northern Italy. So thinking and, like Bologna here, yeah, and uh, and f- often often in these places, like you know, uh, they will they will often make a fresh pasta with just egg yolks as the liquid, so it's super yellow and rich. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's the Italy of Lynn Rosetto Casper's book, The Splendid Table, which okay. is a fantastic book full of. Lots of recipes that you do want to make and lots of like recipes of historical interest or or high complexity that you probably don't want to make but will enjoy reading about. Yeah. Okay. When I think fresh pasta, I think of like like, you know, a tagliatelle bolognese made with like really rich pasta and a really rich sauce. Ugh, sign and then me topped with cheese. Up. So do you ever make fresh pasta at home? Because I don't. I have done it a few times. So uh, years ago for my birthday, Christmas maybe, I think Christmas, um, when we were living in New York, wife of the show, Lori, went to Bridge Kitchenware and got me a pasta maker, which I had for many years and used maybe 10 times and did not survive a purge in the last few years. I think it's really impressive that you used it 10 times. Yeah. I'm going to put that out there. I mean, it has to be... I don't think it can be the kind of thing that you do only like once a year because first of all, the machine gets all dusty if you're not using it regularly and then the dust gets onto the pasta and it's gross. Wait, have you actually gotten dust on your pasta? Yes, absolutely. Oh man. It's a serious problem because like, how do you clean those rollers, especially like at the edges? It's tough. It also it's a it's a thing that that benefits from practice and yes. doing it often and like recognizing like how many more times you need to fold it over and put it back through the machine until it's needed to the proper texture, you know, getting the right amount of flour on it but not too much so that it doesn't stick but doesn't get gummy. Like another noodle dish we talked about recently, pad thai, it, it's something that is is worth mastering but is not going to be great the very first time you make it. Yes, that makes sense. So I made fresh pasta exactly once that I can remember. let's hear about it. And it was long enough ago that my father was still alive. Okay. I remember it was was either like a summer when I was in college or maybe it was the summer before I went off to college. But I had like gotten solidly into cooking by this point, which I I didn't really do until maybe my junior or senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. And I remember, so my parents always grew a few, like a few vegetables out in the backyard in the summertime. Like my dad was really good at growing tomatoes, possibly just because Oklahoma is um, really hot and good for growing tomatoes. Well, but also because after he invented endive, tomatoes are pretty easy by comparison. That's true. You don't even have to have a root cellar. Wait a minute. You don't have to bury anything. You don't have to bury anything. Anyway, they would also grow arugula, although that tended to get very peppery in the the heat in Oklahoma. Sounds good to me. They would also grow basil. And I remember my dad teaching me how to make pesto, I think using like a James Beard recipe. And we made pesto and then we decided to make fresh pasta to eat the pesto on. Yeah. And we did not have a pasta roller. So we rolled it out by hand with a rolling pin. Yeah, which you can absolutely do whether or not you're an Italian grandma, which is the only type of person I've ever seen do this like in a photo. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that the tricky thing for for a lot of us, at least, is that rolling it out by hand, somehow you just sort of need more space than you you usually do when you're yes. rolling out like pie dough or something like that. Because you got to get this stuff real thin. Certainly you can cut it. Uh, what am I saying? You could cut it into portions and roll out the portions separately. Yeah. But what I remember is, so my parents had a, a butcher block island that was actually usually covered with mail, but we <laughs> uncovered half of it and uh, rolled out the pasta. And I remember rolling it out. I don't remember, again, eating it. Uh, like I said, oh, okay. I remember touching fresh pasta, not so much eating it. Do you remember touching it after it was cooked? <laughs> I think I put it in my mouth. Okay. Um, I touched it with my tongue. Exactly. Sensuous. Sensual? So it was probably good. I, I think both. So, you know, people talk about making it by, you know, making the well in the middle and slowly working in the flour. Right. But you can also make it in a food processor, right? I mean, Totally, I think, or a stand I mixer. I think that's what my dad and I did. Maybe not a food processor. Maybe we used to no, stand I, I mixer. Think you can, I think you can in a food processor also, although it's a very firm dough, like not, not a lot of liquid to flour, and so it could possibly gum up your food processor. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I imagine like the making a well and and like beating the eggs in the well of flour thing probably doesn't really make any difference, but looks cool. Well, it's interesting because so fresh pasta, you know, when, whenever we make any kind of dough, right, we have to think about how much gluten we want to develop in it or right. not, right? So it seems to me that you're going to develop the gluten more in a stand mixer or a food processor. However... Like, are we trying to keep, we're trying to keep fresh pasta tender, right? So well, maybe but, that is why you would mix it by hand because hmm. it's harder to overwork it. Like this you don't want it to question. be, you don't want it to like uh, fight back, especially not when you're rolling it out, right? You want the gluten to be pretty undeveloped. You're using a low gluten flour to start with traditionally. That's true. Wow, I don't know the answer because, like, you but you don't want it to be so low that that it has like a cakey, crumbly texture. No, no, no. But think about like Italian double zero flour. Isn't yeah. that isn't that what is traditionally used for making pasta? It's a lower gluten flour than like American all purpose. Well, I think, but it it depends though because like there are, there are higher and lower protein double zero flours because that's how finely the flour is ground. Oh. That's what the double zero is. Matthew, why don't you just let me keep looking like I know what I'm doing over here? I was on a roll for a minute there. I think I only learned like this myself expert. recently. But and this, then you I had don't to know come the along. Answer. Do you have Harold McGee's number? <laughs> I seem to remember from back in the early days of the Food Network, like when David Rosengarten had that show Taste. Do you remember this? Yes. Oh, yeah. I love that. Um, around this time... Again, Mario Batali, who is a extremely problematic person, I remember watching him make fresh pasta a lot. And I do think that I learned about like not wanting to overdevelop the gluten. Yeah, no, I think that does sound right. Right? Um, I agree with what you said. Great. Um, I'm going to have to pull out my, pull out my uh, microscope, my, my uh, scanning, tunneling electron microscope. And uh, and toss some toss some pasta in there. Did you say scanning tunneling? I think that's a thing. Wow, that sounds exciting. It sounds like you're gonna um like build a new uh like you know undertake a new tunneling project here in Seattle. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, the big um, dig. Yeah, we, we should we should start some sort of big dig. We not, should not, not not like as a as a uh, public works project, but just you and I. I because we thinking... live we live maybe like four miles from each other. 
Yeah, like I I would really like to have a way to get to you that doesn't involve driving my car or you having to get on public transportation. Yeah, and like we we got we're we're gonna be in this in this uh, pandemic for a while. Let's. I mean, <laughs> why first of all, we have out, it like. Why don't you get out your microscope and see if it has a tunneling feature? <laughs> okay, I was just gonna start digging and see what happens, <laughs> and head like basically in your direction. Okay. Okay. Great. Let me um, know when. Let me know when you drown under Lake Union. Hmm, that's that's a good point. I, I'll just have to go deeper below gonna, the below the aquifer. Okay, great. So I will be recording spilled milk by myself during that time while Matthew <laughs> is tunneling. I, I basically what I'm trying to do is pull some sort of Shawshank Redemption. Oh my God! Yes, you need a Sophia Loren poster. Yeah, I and think then Bo Derek. Oh, wait, were there multiple posters? Yeah, the posters changed oh. over time because he was in there for so many years. I totally forgot that. Yes. Who? Yeah, now, like, I was going to I was gonna say, like, who Who would today's be? But I think, like, maybe, like, a Jason Momoa poster. I don't know who that is. He's a, he's a big, big, handsome actor. Oh, okay. I love the thought that, that Tim Robbins would be gay or queer in that movie and, and would alternate between putting up like Bo Derek posters and, and then like, I don't know, a poster of like Matt Bomer or something like that. Yeah, Matt Bomer. <laughs> you don't know who that no, is. No, I don't. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it sounds, it sounds like it's one Matt letter Bomber. away from Boner, which, which is pretty I funny. I know. It could be Matt Bomber, but it's B-O-M-E-R, which to me means Bomer. I'm going to assume this is an actor from a show I haven't watched. He's an actor from, I think, a lot of shows, but I'm I'm most familiar with him from a recent season of Sinner. Okay. Anyway, but I was thrilled to discover recently that he's gay. I didn't realize that he was gay. He's, like, so handsome, it's, like, too much, really. Okay. And, and that's something that I have a lot more patience with if you're gay than if you're straight. This guy looks honest. a little like John Mayer to me. To me, he also looks a lot like Chris Cornell. Okay. But, like, yeah, yeah I see what you mean. I, I like the idea that in our queer, uh, am I allowed to say that word? <laughs> I think if you're not using it in a derogatory term, it's okay with me. Okay. Uh, Shawshank Redemption reboot that like the rest of the rest of the prisoners are just like, like never even comment on this. It's just like totally cool. Right. Right. right? I love that. Okay. I love that. Okay. All right. Um, I can't wait to see Tim Robbins redo this. Yes. And Morgan um, Freeman. Yes. And, uh, and let's get, let's get Matt Bomer and, and Jason Momoa in there. <laughs> cool. And um, like, who's, who else is like who's like a, a another another like like a pretty actress? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Everything I know I is know. from is from years ago. Um, uh, what if we get Catherine O'Hara in there? Let's what just, if we let's what just if we mix do that? Everything up like everyone is fair game. Okay, wait. I see where you're going with this. It's gonna <clears> be <throat> it's gonna be uh, the Shawshank Redemption as if it was made by Christopher Guest. Yes, right. Oh my God. With yes. like like inter like you know interview segments. <laughs> I cannot wait to see the Eugene like, Levy poster. I mean, I know the Shawshank Redemption already has vo- voiceover. <laughs> yes, yes, but like. Uh, uh, Eugene Levy, like, you know, saying like, yeah, things things were not great in that prison. And then and then like dropping a one liner. It's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, OK, so, Matthew. What... But the food was surprisingly good. <laughs> what dishes really benefit from like going the extra mile with fresh pasta? <laughs> OK, I think anything filled. So like a tortellini, a ravioli, uh, a tortelloni. <laughs> Uh, tortelli. These are all, I think these are all real pasta shapes. Uh, 
and Tolentino. A Gia Tolentino. Yep. Wow, I've heard that name, but I don't know who that is, but I'm going to assume it. it's an actor. Uh, she's a great writer, actually. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. seen the byline. All right. Um, yeah, so if you're making a Gia Tolentino, like, for sure, <laughs> go for fresh pasta. Okay. Um, lasagna, absolutely. I usually I usually use no-boil noodles for lasagna, which are also pretty good, but when I when I can get fresh pasta, it... It really makes your lasagna. Wow. I feel like no boil noodles are like the antonym of fresh pasta to go back to the beginning of the show. Get I know. It? And yet you soak them for a little bit. I don't actually make them no boil style, like putting the dry pasta directly into the into the dish before baking it. I soak them in warm water and it comes out not super different from fresh pasta. Wow. Uh, what about when you make like bolognese? Do you feel like you need to go get some fresh pasta or make fresh pasta if you've made bolognese? I think bolognese is great with everything, so I don't feel like I have to, but it really is special with with a fresh tagliatelle or, or fettuccine. Yeah. I um, so badly just want somebody else to make this for me. I know. It is that kind of thing. And luckily, uh, in in Seattle, and probably where you live also, there are some artisan fresh pasta makers. Uh, in Seattle, there's La Pasta, which sells at uh, farmer's markets, largely. Uh, pasta and Company, which we already mentioned, and uh, Lagana, which... Uh, was the the name of the dish with like the fried lettuce yep. d- dough, but also is the name of a a local pasta fresh pasta company, and they make southern Italian style fresh pasta, which is more likely to be extruded and is kind of just like commercial dried pasta that just hasn't been dried. Mm, um, okay, and okay. so I got their Campanelli. And it was great. Campanelli, uh, remind me uh, about what those are. They're like a little roughly sheet that's been rolled up into sort of a cone. That may, that sounds right. Okay, I get it. Um, they're like I, I get. I think Campanelli means like little bells, but like they don't really look like bells. They look more like like tulips, kind of. Okay. And uh, what did you sauce it with? So I sauced it with. I had some Uli's Italian sausage, which is very good. Um, and I had a funny. I had a funny uh, exchange with the with the clerk at the Central Co-op when I bought the pasta and the sausage. Um, in that she <laughs> picked up the sausage and said, "I love this stuff. This is so good. I'm not supposed to eat pork, but I can't stop eating this." Oh. That's adorable. And I was like, uh, yeah, it's tasty. I did the Italian sausage, uh, okay. butter. I had some uh, Kerrygold salted Irish butter. Okay. Uh, olive oil, Parmigiano-Reggiano, uh, garlic, and uh, fresh thyme, which we have on our balcony. Mm. Oh, my God. That sounds fantastic. It was really good. And uh, teenager of the show, Iris, who likes to eat basically all the same things as me, doesn't really like pasta. You know, isn't isn't big on tomato sauce unless it's homemade, you know. Just like thinks thinks like a, any any pasta dish is like kind of blah and and probably has some vegetable in it that they don't like. But but they loved this and like ate the leftovers for lunch the next day. I am Be- because I'm, of the texture of the pasta. I am still just absolutely. I'm I'm trying to absorb the information that Iris doesn't really like pasta. I know. I. Like, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, your kid likes pasta, right? My kid loves pasta. I don't know anybody who doesn't like pasta. I was talking to who was it? I was talking to about this. Um, oh, it was so. It must have been someone at work. We recently had our our uh, online corporate retreat at work, and as part of it, we did this activity that I really enjoyed. This like icebreaker dot com or something. I don't think that's actually the website, but uh, it's it's a thing called icebreaker where everyone gets in a chat room. 
and then it pairs you up for a five-minute video chat, and then at the end of the five minutes, like, you fade out into nothingness. It's really funny. <laughs> um, and then it repeats, and so so you get to, like, meet coworkers that, uh, that you maybe haven't talked to before. And uh, one person I was talking to, uh, we agreed that we really wished that the real world was like the Matrix, not in the sense of, like, being like in a in a pod well uh well aliens like like suck our juices or whatever happened in that movie um but although when i put it that way that sounds kind of good too um uh but the part where where uh uh Keanu Reeves gets injected with kung fu, like through oh. a cord in the back of his head, and yes. then like he knows kung fu. Yes. Like we we really we really wish we could like learn new skills without having to do like the learning part. Mm-hmm. Where was I going with this? Oh, so maybe maybe like it couldn't it wouldn't be just new skills, but also like if there's something you don't like but you should, you can just get that like injected through through your neck port, and so like I can install the the loves pasta module. Yeah, uh, into my catsy. Mm-hmm. That sounds yeah, great. This, this would this this would definitely not be abused in any way. No, definitely not. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Wow, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be chewing on this for a long time, Matthew. Speaking that- of learning uh martial arts, I was I was saying like I have not been really getting any exercise lately. I was doing yoga for a while, but then I kept like stretching wrong and hurting myself. And so okay. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to like take a break from this. Like, you know, when you take a break from exercise, like it becomes a break of indefinite uh, uh, duration. And uh, so I'm like, okay, like I'm feeling like a real slug. I want to get back into exercise. But then when I look for non yoga things, it was all like, like super like 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 uh, ripped guy teaching you like calisthenics or like a weight loss thing or like you know some something that that didn't seem right for me in one way or another and then uh wife of the show Lori was like hey we've been watching that show cobra kai what if there's like a 30 days of karate on youtube and i'm like this sounds great so uh i think i'm i i I've been looking around. I think I may do 30 days of Kung Fu. This sounds like a great choice, Matthew. Uh-huh. It's gonna it's gotta be low impact, right? No comment. I mean base like a forty five year old man like who thinks he can do kung fu, what could go wrong? Nothing. Nothing right? could go wrong. <laughs> Nothing. Thank you. I uh, I appreciate your vote of confidence. Yes. I'll, I will keep you I will keep you and the listeners apprised of my journey. Okay, great. Plus um, I can I can put on any color belt I want. It's my house. And then you can say, I know Kung Fu. Yes. Or whatever, exactly. however it was that he said Yeah, I'm it. planning to say that after like the third video. <laughs> Great. Okay. All right. Well, um, um, you found us already. So yes. thank you for finding us. We, yeah, we're not on social media anymore because we hate Facebook and there really isn't an alternative. You can find me on Twitter at Mamster. I'll, yeah. I'll reply to you. I still I still participate in that for some reason. Yeah, that's um, fascinating, Matthew. If you want to get in touch with us, like we are not in the near future going to going to have a way for you to be able to comment on episodes like on our site. I know we used to offer that and we had to redo our website on short notice and that feature did not make the cut. But you can always get in touch with us, contact at spilledmilkpodcast.com. We love to hear from you. Your email will probably go to me directly and uh, and I'll write back. Please be nice. Yeah, please be nice. Our producer is Abby Circatella, <laughs> and go vote. Go or, vote. Or vote in the in the uh, comfort of your own home and drop it in the mail. Yes, and we'll see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to Spilled Milk. Set us out to dry on a rack. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm Molly Weisberg. <laughs> and I'm Matthew Hamster Burton. <laughs> Matthew, what I want you to see here is not only this bear sitting peacefully in the middle of a river, but I want you to see in the foreground the sheer number of salmon. It is like a salmon party. Okay. Yeah, no, I looked at I looked at this before and I saw bears but not salmon. Can are you looking I'm, at I'm I'm pulling it up now. <gasps> Whoa! Oh, but but these it, bears. Okay, wait. No, they're eating the salmon. Oh, oh yeah. I, I just. Oh, the, oh wow. Isn't this so cool? Oh yes. This like, is. I, I just saw cool. a bear eat a fish. No, no. This this no, goes no. on. I, it goes I, on all day. No, I see the salmon party, but then in the background, there's that bear like putting a fish in its mouth. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places. Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 